Good evening. How are you all? Hey, come on. Perfect weather. Perfect weather, right? Welcome to our third annual, third annual Freedom Celebration, 4th of July Celebration. These are so fun because it's it's a family time. Families are gathered. Um, we're going to have a time of worship, a time of testimony tonight, something special, a short little Bible study, and then we're going to have fireworks that are going to be so fun. So we want to welcome you. We thank the Lord for the weather. Um, let me uh, begin by reading something that Paul said in Galatians chapter 5. He said, so Christ has really set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery. That's going to be the theme of tonight's whole gathering. Jesus Christ sets people free. Stay that way. Don't get tangled up again in any kind of bondage, any kind of slavery. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we commit the night to you. And we pray for every person who is gathered. We know that many are watching by Internet. They'd like to be here, but they're from different parts of the world or they have other commitments. We're grateful for the weather we have and the facility we have where we can gather and worship. And I pray for those who are gathered here, but they're feeling a little bit down, a little bit alienated. There's something in their life that has caused them to not be on, on top of things. I pray you do just specially minister to them and raise them up. Speak to their hearts. And cause us to celebrate the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. And not only to celebrate it, but to understand it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand? It's great to see you guys. I pray you came ready to worship our God together. I just want to kind of give a disclaimer here. We're not all wearing these sunglasses like as a, a publicity, like trying to be cool stunt at all. Um, actually, Velocity is raising money for their summer camp, and they made some pretty sweet shades, so go check that out. You can help support students to go on a, a summer camp. Are you guys ready to worship? Are you with us tonight? I'm so glad that God doesn't dwell just in buildings made with hands. As much as God meets with us in that building, He's going to meet with us out here tonight. So let's just start by giving Him thanks and by singing a song that just declares that He's worthy of our praise. He existed before time even began. Yet he's here with us.
turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus died to save you. Jesus died to save you. And as the redeemed, as God saved, let's sing out. We were created to live in this life, this, this life of freedom, to give him praise. We run with passion for your name. Broken every chain.
and well that death couldn't hold you down and as much as you exhibited freedom from death in the grave Lord so too you've called us out of darkness and you have brought us into new life and we declare that tonight together that we are free indeed the sun has set you free you are free indeed just grab a hold of that truth tonight God we thank you for setting us free our chains are gone
rises from the ashes Sorrow turns to gladness When our God is near yeah. You speak light into our darkness You heal the broken hearted Take away our tears From the Church family tonight. 
Thank you, God. Let's just sing that with just our voices. Because you're amazing, God. You're amazing, God. You can bear the weight of every heavy can heal the pain, you can clean the stain, you can bear tears into souls of pain. Amen. That's the God that we serve, it's the God that we're singing to tonight. God that can take away stains and can heal your pain tonight. I hope you know that. I hope you know that everyone around you, maybe that's already experienced that healing. Our desire tonight is that those of you that came here and you, you couldn't agree and say, man, my chains are gone. You feel like you've still got those chains. That tonight you can come to Jesus like many of us here tonight have. And we can sing and out of hearts that have actually experienced the freedom of Jesus. Some of us have been freed from drugs from just bondage and just sin, and God has just broken every chain. Amen, amen. And we want to invite you tonight, if you don't know that God, you don't know that experience, that tonight could be the night. And um, if, if you guys want to be seated, you know, as the Lord would lead you, if you want to stand, we're going to sing a song that just talks about that the love of God is stronger than sin. And I believe that with every ounce of my being, that He can break any chain, any any bondage that you find yourself in tonight. God can break that if you would just surrender your life to him. Amen.
somebody next to you say Jesus is alive. All right. I got to just say I love doing this. I love meeting outside and I love doing this with you. What a great family we have here. And one of the reasons I love it is because we're in a round. I mean, can you just for a minute, do you mind turning your head around and seeing how many people are here all the way down this way and way back this way and all the way back that way, all the way around us, and even some out on the green belt and the overflow. There's a lot of people. Big family. Beautiful family. 
And I love it because we can watch each other worship. Not that we're supposed to be watching each other, but I think there's some incentive to worship the Lord when we can see how the Spirit of God is affecting those around us. I think that's a powerful thing. I think if we always close our eyes and we're always faced in one direction, that can sometimes be a little, it can play against what worship is about. We're doing it with a family. So anyway, once again, welcome. We want to welcome those who aren't here in person but are watching via the Internet or listening by radio. But I'll tell you what, next year, don't miss this. This is such a cool event. We want you to come. Well, we want to do something a little bit different. About a week and a half ago, we had a baptism, another event like this, baptism and communion under the stars, which was a lot of fun. But we saw and heard uh, changed lives. And what I mean by that is those pastors of us who baptize people, we got to hear their testimony. We, we were able to hear how the lives of 250 people that we baptized were changed. So that was a wonderful night. But sometimes you don't always get to hear about how people come to Christ. And I think one of the most effective and powerful, inspiring things to hear is somebody's testimony. So um, I've asked a couple of people, a few people actually, we're going to have them come up and share. First of all, JW, come on up. This is JW Biava. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Good. So we've already talked a little bit, and, and here's what's fascinating. Come on right out here. Stand right here. Do you mind? Not at all. Because then you're, everybody can see you, at least right here. Um, you, you came to faith in Christ, but you were actually raised in a Christian home, and you went to a Christian school, and you had Christian friends, but you just told me back in the room before the service that you weren't yet a believer. Tell me about that. Uh, yes, sir. I was raised in a church from a real young age, and I had all the head knowledge of God that anybody could ever have. I went to a Christian school. I went to chapels every week. Everything was there, but I was a hypocrite. I was here on church on Sundays, but I wasn't living it. Okay, so at that time, if I were to say, to you, go up to you and say, hey, J.W., are you a hypocrite? <laughs> you would have, no. You would have said no. You right. would have said you're a Christian. Yes. And why would you have said you were a Christian at that time? Uh, when I was young, I said a sinner's prayer, and I thought that's all it took. I, I didn't understand relationship. I didn't understand trust. I didn't understand repentance. I just didn't get it. So you believed if you just mouthed a prayer that that would be enough and you could sort of do whatever you wanted. Yes, sir. But you went to a Christian school. You went to a Christian church. You have wonderful Christian parents. Is that right? Yes, sir. And so when did you come to the realization that just going through the motions wasn't enough? Well, it was, a, it was a combination of a few things. You know, I was such a stubborn, hard-headed person that it took a lot. So between the teachings of you, Pastor Bob Coy, Pastor uh, Chuck Swindoll, and then the Truth Project, hmm. those combined with a, with a bad time in my life, like a lot of people have, you hit a hard time, makes you reevaluate. Those things made me go, wait a second, things aren't right. Then finally, when I was presented with the law of God to where it was personalized, because I knew I was a sinner, but... I was immunized. I, it, that didn't, had no effect on me. Once it was personalized to me and I understood how wretched I was, it made me understand grace. Hmm. Okay, so I want to probe a little bit deeper because okay. there may be, maybe not, but there may be some here tonight who this is hitting a chord with. That is, they've done the same things. They've gone through all the same motions. And they don't really, they, they maybe feel something is missing, but they don't quite know what. So when it dawned on you, when it, you came to the realization and the knowledge, 
that your heart wasn't right with God, mm -hmm. that there wasn't a personal relationship you had with Christ. What what did you do next? Well, basically, for me, like I said, I was stubborn. It was a process for me. So I put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I prayed and cried out to God from my heart saying, God, forgive me for these sins. And I repented my sins, and I had to go one by one through my sins, get them out there for God to see, and for me to realize what I was and understand that Christ died for me. I should have been on that cross, you know? Mm. Jesus died for my sins. So how long ago was that that you made a commitment to Christ? It was about three years ago. And when, what, what was it in the nighttime, daytime? Where was it? Uh, you know, it was during the daytime, basically hopping in my truck and hearing another message and you know, kind of divine conviction that through that process that I, it just really hit me, convicted me, and I, I came through. Now, you know, did you ever come to a place temple. in this process where you knew definitely I have assurance of my salvation? Yeah, absolutely. I can't tell you the day or the hour necessarily, but I know the season. I know when it was, and I felt it. And right now, I, I am absolutely sure that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and I'll be with him until I die and then after. So it's interesting. A lot of people don't talk about repentance that much. They mm -hmm. just say, just say this prayer, just believe or acknowledge. Mm -hmm. So just in closing, speak to people just a little bit about in your own life the need for repentance as a part of the process of faith. Oh, man, my favorite topic. This is it. This is what I heard one of the great reformers say is that repentance is confessing your sin. It's asking for forgiveness for your sin. It's actually turning from your sin. If I'm a liar telling lies every day, I'm going to stop telling lies. I'm not going to be perfect, but when I do lie, I hate the sin. Yes. So my attitude towards, chin, towards the sin changes. So that was repentance, turning from it and, and relying on Jesus, you know, because it's, it's absolute grace that we're saved. Yeah, I've heard it put this way, that an unbeliever is someone who clings to sin, whereas a believer is someone to whom sin still clings. There, there's a battle, but he knows that's wrong, and he has that deep conviction. I love that. That's yeah. great. J.W., thank you. God thank bless you. you. Nice okay. seeing you. Okay, now we have a married couple, and it's really an interesting and very, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, but their, their testimony was very candid with me. And um, it, it's a couple who had some difficulty in their marriage. And um, uh, in fact, uh, well, I'll just have them tell the story. Denise might come on up. Come run up here and just face this way. Are you nervous right now? Are you? Yes. Okay, good. So right now there's thousands of people that are watching you. I just thought I'd share that. Okay, so okay, so Mike and Denise, what's your last name? Enriquez. Enriquez. And you've been married how long? We've been married three years. Okay, now when I was talking to you, you went to, Denise, a Christian university. And you had a, uh, yes, you had a relationship yes. with the Lord, but uh, you said you weren't really walking with the Lord closely during that time. Is that right? No, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but um, I didn't have people to really mentor me through that process so I could mature. I see. And so I walked and I believed and I did as best as I could, but y you need to walk with mature Christians to help you along that process. And then you met your now husband Mike and Mike, um, did you sweep her off her feet? I tried. <laughs> okay, I think so I got lucky though. Okay, well, good. You know, you have a, you're a beautiful couple. But when I asked you if you were a Christian, and you said when you got married that Mike, you weren't a believer. But 
she thought you were a believer. And maybe you even thought, you, you said you, you gave me some really interesting words. Tell me about that. Well, I basically thought, I guess you could say I was a wolf in sheep's clothing in a sense because I had been water baptized. Mm-hmm. I even went to church. And I guess you could say just from everything that I had read and learned that there was enough evidence for me to know that Jesus did exist. And so I believed on that sense. That so you acknowledged that there was a God and you believed that a man named Jesus walked the earth and that he died on the cross. But it was it, how personal was it to you? It was not personal at all. Okay, so then what happened um, when, uh, let me ask you, Denise, when you realized, um, because, Mike, you were probably even struggling with what it meant to be a believer, but when you realized that you were not married to a Christian, what was that like? It was devastating. Um, I thought that was something we had in common. I think I thought that that was a, a bond we had. And um, when you're walking that walk, you know, it's a different life from, you know, the outside world, and so it was very devastating, and um, and very discouraging. Mm. But mm. Um, the Lord is amazing, and um, and He walked me through a path that I never thought I could walk through, and um, He did amazing things. And you guys were telling me that your marriage was almost at the brink of ending, and that Mike, you said that you came to Christ. I asked you when you did, and you said 5.30 in the morning. That's unusual, You were because you weren't going to church at 5.30 in the morning. So was this at home? Yeah, well, I guess given the World Cup and everything that just happened, it was like the U.S. versus Algeria, that last second goal. <laughs> that was basically when I came to the Lord in my marriage. My marriage was pretty much cooked. It was, it was over in a sense. I was involved in an affair with another woman. Um, I just I was treating my wife terribly. And finally, she woke me up at 5 in the morning, February the 9th this year, and said, hey, we need to talk. I thought, well, this is going to be the last discussion because before we went to bed, it was pretty much we're getting a divorce. This is over. Hmm. Um, We come to talk, and she pretty much surprises me in a sense of not asking or talking, you know, in terms of yelling at me about the affair or relationship or anything like that. She ended up asking me about my faith, and she... I guess you could say she was just curious in that sense because of my behavior. I called myself a Christian, and I wasn't acting like one. And so pretty much I discussed my faith with her, and I realized at that moment that I was missing the picture. And I just realized that I was broken. I was disgusted with myself. I basically started bawling at that time. I couldn't even stand up. I was sitting down just overrun with emotions. And it was just a terrible feeling there. I would never, ever want to be again. Hmm. And the thing that crossed my mind in it was that my free will got me here. It was the fact that I was wanting to do it my way. It was the fact that I was never going to submit to God or Jesus or do it that, you know, do it God's way. I, I just, it was, that's what got me there. And I hurt my wife. I just completely disgusted with myself. And I let her know that. And I, while I was breaking down crying, I think that she realized that it was time to ask me if I could come to the Lord now, if it was, if I wanted to come to the Lord now. And it was interesting because when she did, I was so overcome with emotion that I, I could only nod my head yes to her. And I couldn't even get up. I was crawling over to her to get to where she could pray over me. And 
basically at that moment when that happened, my mind started trying to get the better of me. Started hearing these thoughts like, oh, you can't walk that Christian walk or you're just going to fail or God doesn't love you. And I was just hearing all these things in my mind that were just trying to sway me from coming to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I guess you could say it was just my my flesh telling me that, you know, you're you're not going to be happy over there. And anyway, I did the prayer that you always do at service. Denise okay, was. I want to hear about this. Denise, you told me because you actually led him in the prayer, led your husband to receive Christ. Tell me about that. I did. Um, we were talking. Well, actually, I woke up early in the morning and I was reading through the Bible and I was asking God for guidance on what to do because I didn't know what to do. And. Um, I came across a passage, and I don't remember what the passage is, but it's about, you know, helping your brother, you know, when he has a burden, carrying the burden with him. And he was my brother in Christ, as well as my husband. And Mm -hmm. so I was going to have to help him carry that burden. Um, And so I woke him up, and we were talking, and um, I could just, he started crying, and in my mind, I thought someone else is supposed to be bringing him to Christ. I had always imagined that we would be a church and Skip would, you would say, who wants to come down? And he would go down and you would lead him in a prayer. And at that moment, I knew it's not going to be Skip, it's going to be me. You. And I thought, I don't know how to do this. And then I thought, I can do this. I see Skip do this every week and I can do it. And so I, you know, I, we prayed, we prayed and, and he accepted, you know, Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. <laughs> and that was in February of this year. Yeah. So you meant that, yes, please. So um, real quickly, Mike, you were saying the next day that you were scheduled to do some business thing in the morning and you canceled that. And, and um, you obviously made a new set of choices to be bonded together, to love each other, to forgive each other. So, you know, how would you say, and of course you're on the spot here, but how would you say your marriage is today after the last several months? Well, I would tell you that it is a heck of a lot stronger than I ever imagined it to be. Um, Where I was in the past, the person that I was in the past, I never could have imagined in my own free will that my marriage could be where it is, and that's because of God. And just, I was able to completely repent from my affair. I cut ties as soon as, I mean, well, it was dawn at that time, but as soon as the work day started and people were awake in the world, mm-hmm. I broke ties and started anew. So I'm still working on gaining her complete trust back. But other than that, it is... Um, so can is, God heal any marriage? God can heal any marriage. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you, Denise. Finally, we have our own um, our own uh, uh, mid-high pastor, Pastor AJ, and uh, he took a very interesting um, uh, group to uh, South Dakota. Yes, and sir. Uh, an emergency trip. You went a day early because of something that that happened, and a catastrophe happened. Yes. And and a physical catastrophe happened. You were a part of it. Our kids were a part of it. A lot of us were worried about it, and. Uh, Yet the Lord really turned it around. What happened? Yeah. Well, um, the, it was a Wednesday. Kids were just doing their uh, normal everyday thing when uh, uh, the sheriff, excuse me, the sheriff came and uh, dropped off a tornado warning because, yes, in South Dakota, the sheriff hand delivers a tornado warning to you. So um, I think the kids were in that state thinking, oh, okay, it's a tornado warning. Yeah, we've, we've heard these before, right? So, But they said, we need to get to the county courthouse. So 
uh, kids went down to the court, county courthouse, went downstairs, and everybody, you know, I think they still have that mentality that everything's fine, everything's fine. But then uh, they started to see the clouds roll and started to see the funnel clouds come in. And uh, by, by the end of that night, it was a, what was reported on the news, at least 10 uh, F2 touchdown tornadoes in the city we were in. What does F2 mean? Uh, we don't know. We don't have tornadoes here, right? Uh, sustain, it means winds uh, about 150 miles an hour, so um, pretty strong. But... Uh, the greatest thing through it all was that the, the kids, um, the reports that I got back for everyone and the limited amount of uh, service that we could get back and forth during the storm was uh, during all of this, your, your students were inside of a vault uh, worshiping the Lord, uh, having a Bible study. And uh, even the greatest thing of that night was the two students led uh, one, of the, one of the boys who lives in Dupree, South Dakota, to Jesus Christ that night. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. In the eye of the storm, somebody was led to Christ by our student. Yes. And they're all them. safe. And they're all safe. We're all back. And I'll tell you what, they wouldn't have changed it for the world. They, um, they, they were the most changed. We changed. A, we got to share Christ with a lot of people. We had a, over, uh, over a dozen people accept the Lord while we were out there. Uh, but most of all, they were changed, knowing that even in the midst of uh, the roof being blown off, the very building that they were in, that that their God is still good and he still loves them and he's in complete control. And they, and they learned a, 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 lesson of, a lifetime of lessons that night. That's neat. That's really neat, AJ. So, Thank you for that. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Okay, Brother Nick, come lead us in a song. We're going to do a song before we have a short little study. Wasn't that encouraging? Some great testimonies, weren't they? Thank all of you for doing that. Well, why don't we stand? Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing, and mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, kindness of a Savior.
Amen. Have a seat. In the movie Braveheart, how many have seen the movie Braveheart? In the movie Braveheart, William Wallace, played by Mel Gibson, has a very classic line. As he says to his people who are staging this honorary rebellion, Wallace turns to his men, his troops, and he says, Fight and you may die. Run and you will live at least for a while. But let our enemies know that they can take our lives, but they can never take our freedom. It's that word that captures the American spirit on this day especially tomorrow on July the 4th. Freedom, that's what attracted so many people from so many nations. That grand hope that there would be the freedom of religion, the freedom away from the tyrannical governments that governed them, a land where they would have the freedom to choose. And so they came here. And they came by the boatload. And they are still coming to our shores. This last week, I was in New York City with my family, and I'd been there many times, but I'd never taken the little trip that goes out into the harbor to see the Statue of Liberty Island and Ellis Island. So we decided, let's take the tour. By the way, it's the best deal in New York. It's 12 bucks for the boat ride. You can't get anything. You can't get a hot dog in New York for 12 bucks. So we took this tour, and it was just great because there's that huge Statue of Liberty, Lady Liberty, and it's such an imposing wonderful sight to see. 
on the pedestal of Lady Liberty are inscribed the words by a woman named Emma Lazarus, an immigrant, a Jewish immigrant. And she wrote what was called the New Colossus, a sonnet that she penned. And here's part of the wording that is at the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse from your teeming shore. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. It was a sonnet meant to typify and to describe what Lady Liberty was doing as she guards New York Harbor, welcoming people in. And for many immigrants, that was the first thing they saw, was Lady Liberty welcoming them into the shores of the United States. And so they would see that, and they would be ushered to Ellis Island, some 12 million of our ancestors, some of us, some of us have ancestors that came through Ellis Island, forebears, 12 million between 1892 and 1954 landed at Ellis Island. And they came with the hope of freedom. They came with the hope that life in this country would be very different from the life they left in their country. The promise of freedom, the hope of freedom. And what kind of a country did they find? Well, they found a country, at least on the coins and on the money that said, in God we trust. It was a nation that believed, at least it once did, that we were one nation under God. And our forefathers on July the 4th, 1776, wrote into the most important document of the United States of America, the Declaration of Independence. In the second paragraph, the idea that God is to be a part of our society. In the second paragraph, it reads, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men were created, created, not evolved, created equal, and that they were endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The nation those immigrants, our ancestors, came into was a nation that was built upon those principles. And many observed it. In the 19th century, in the 1800s, a French ambassador sent by the French government named Alexis de Tocqueville came to look at America, sent by the French government to sort of spy out our liberty. He wanted to see firsthand this great, what was called this great experiment in democracy. Now you have to understand that at that time the Europeans were very skeptical about America because they believed that if people in a country had freedom and it was a democracy, not a monarchy, but if it was a democracy and people had freedom, that it would lead to anarchy. Now, in those countries, it was filled with tyranny because of the oppressive governments, but they believed that the, the opposite end of the spectrum would, would be just as bad. It would lead to anarchy. So de Tocqueville came to this country and examined this great experiment in democracy. His writings are fascinating. In one of his writings, he says, I noticed that in the United States of America, it is the land where the 
gospel of Jesus Christ and Christianity has its widest sway over the souls of men. And he went on to note that of all the countries he had seen, it was the most enlightened and the freest of all nations. In other words, according to this French ambassador's viewpoint, Christianity and freedom went hand in hand. It's the most enlightened and the freest of all nations. But he said something that I think is ominous to us at this stage in our history. He reflected about Christianity and our belief in God. But then he said something very interesting. He said, America is great because America is good. But when America ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. I wonder at what point we are at today. Actually, I don't really wonder. I sort of know. And I have very, very strong opinions about that. When America ceases to be great or good, America will cease to be great. Freedom, that was the hope. Freedom, that is what we celebrate every year around this time. But you know, as Christians, we talk a lot about freedom. The Bible talks a lot about freedom. Jesus said, whoever the sun sets free is free what? Indeed, which means like he's really free. He's like free to the max. He's freer than any other kind of freedom. He's free indeed. And we even employ that terminology, don't we? When we talk to people, even the worship band was saying tonight, we've been set free. Man, we've been set free. Here's the question. What have we been set free from? And more importantly, what have we been set free for? That's typically that second part is a question I don't think a lot of Christians answer. And I think you're going to find the answer to be surprising. We have been set free, I heard it, from bondage, from sin, from self. We have been set free in order to become slaves of God. That's the second part that a lot of people leave out. We haven't just been set free from sin and now we're free from sin and now we just sort of do whatever we want because we feel so free. No, we have been set free from one master so that we might be indentured and become slaves to another master. Did you know that? We're to be slaves of righteousness and slaves of God. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 6. He says, don't you realize that whatever you choose to obey becomes your master? You can choose sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God and receive his approval. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you have obeyed with all of your heart the new teaching that God has given you. Now you are free from sin, your old master, and you have become slaves to your new master, righteousness. I speak this way using the illustration of slaves and masters because it's easy to understand. Before you let yourselves be slaves of impurity and lawlessness, but now you must choose to be slaves of righteousness so that you will become holy. In those days when you were slaves of sin, you weren't concerned with doing what was right. And what was the result? It was not good. Since you are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. 
But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Every person, every man, every woman is a slave to something or someone. Now, if you haven't given your life to Christ, maybe you're sitting here tonight listening to that and you go, I'm no one's slave. I would disagree with you. I think if we probed, we discover that you're a slave to yourself. You're a slave to your own habits, your own lustful desires, your own standard that you have created in your mind or heart. You become enslaved to it and you don't find peace and you don't find freedom in that. Even Bob Dylan in 1980 said, you might be the ambassador to England or France. You might like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Right? Remember that? Anybody remember that? Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Everybody is the slave to someone or something. So my question for you tonight, and only you can answer it in your own heart. I'm not asking you, do you admire God? For you might say, sure, I I admire God. I'm glad he's up there. My question to you isn't, are you a seeker of God? And for you might say, well, I am. I'm probing. I'm searching. I'm looking. I really want to find out. Great. But that's not my issue. That's not my question. I'm not asking you, do you admire him? Do you observe him? I'm not asking you, do you seek after him in some way? I'm asking you, are you his slave? Have you relinquished your will? Have you relinquished your life to be controlled by an alien will? God's will. Have you relinquished the right of control to be controlled by an alien will? Now, in the Old Testament, you may remember the story that if people got really, really poor and they couldn't pay off their debts, that they could become somebody's slave to pay off their debts. They'd become an indentured slave for a period of six years. They had to be treated fairly, justly. But they would, in six years, pay off their debt. In the seventh year the master had to release the slave. He was to go free. But the Bible says if you were a slave and you happened to really love your master, you didn't want to go. You loved the relationship. You wanted to continue to work for him now voluntarily. You could do so. And if you wanted to do so, they would bring you to the doorpost of the house. They would take your earlobe and put it on the wood part of the door and they they would take a metal awl, a punch, and they would punch a hole through your earlobe. Now you go, ooh, that's gross. Women, you've done that all your lives. Some of you guys have done that in the oddest of places. It's You punched a hole in your flesh. And the idea at that time was an earring was worn in the ear to say, I am that man's slave. So there were two types of relationships that a slave could have with a master. Number one, he could serve out of poverty. I'm serving him because I have to. Number two, 
He could be a servant, not out of poverty, but out of loyalty. I serve him because I want to. Now, Paul the Apostle so often sees himself as a slave, his word, slave of Jesus Christ. He says, Paul, that's how he begins every letter, a bond servant, or a better translation, a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was willingly abdicating his authority and willingly being controlled by an alien will, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, the message of the Bible is the more you become his slave, the more freedom you really experience. The more you become slaves to other things, other people, even yourself, the less freedom you have. Something else when I was in New York that made an impression. Melting, uh, New York has been called a melting pot, the melting pot of America. And I think of those words on the Statue of Liberty that I just mentioned, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. America has been all about bring me anyone and everyone. People from different persuasions, different colors, different countries have huddled together in the United States of America and come through the immigration process. I think the church is like that. We're the body of Christ. People from different backgrounds, people with different colors, people with different cultures, different languages, different countries all coming together in a very unique organism and organization called the body of Christ, where the Bible says there is no male, female, Scythian, bond, or free. We are all one in Christ. The barriers have gone. We're now brother and sister. And so what the United States did for people physically, the church of Jesus Christ and the family of God does for one another spiritually. When Jesus Christ was on the cross, he gave the greatest declaration of independence. Toward the end of that time on the cross, he said, it is is finished, which means it's been paid in full. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. At the beginning of his time on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. And at the end, he said, it's done. It's finished. That's our declaration of independence. That we can be forgiven by truly placing our trust in Jesus. As you heard Mike say tonight, as you, as you heard Denise say, as you heard JW say, these are people who thought for years, oh, I'm okay with God. But they came to the realization, I'm not okay with God. It hasn't been genuine and real and authentic. I haven't surrendered my life to be controlled by an alien will. I heard a story of a prisoner. And he was being escorted by a prison guard to an indictment hearing. He was in for armed robbery. The prison guard noticed a chain around the prisoner's neck that had a little cross on it, which was odd because the prison guard knew the prisoner wasn't any kind of a religious person at all. And so he remarked, hey, why do you have a cross on? And he goes, oh, I, I don't know. It's, it's really just like a good luck charm. 
Well, the prison guards studied it more closely and more carefully and discovered that that cross was actually a handmade key that had the potential to unlock almost any set of handcuffs. That cross could set that prisoner free. That's why he had it on his neck. The cross of Christ can set any prisoner free. And once you're set free, not only from guilt, not only from punishment, you become free to be his slave. And that's what salvation is all about. It's turning from sin to God, to Christ, to him. And I tell you what, he takes good care of his servants. And you're going to discover that to be his slave is the greatest possible freedom you could ever have in this life. Now, we're going to bow our heads. I'm going to ask Nick to come up, and I'm going to give some of you an opportunity to do something about it. If in hearing a testimony tonight, either by JW or Mike or Denise, if you realize, you know, I haven't really made it personal. I've come to church. I was raised in a Christian home. I've acknowledged that God exists. I've admired God. I've even sought after God. I've observed him, but I'm not his servant. I'm going to give you the opportunity to change that to step out of bondage, out of slavery, into real freedom tonight. Get rid of the old. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, or I translate it, check it out, all things become new. Just like you heard testimonies tonight, we're going to be able to hear your testimony after tonight after you give your life to Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this place, this wonderful, cool amphitheater environment, this beautiful facility, we've just been having sort of a holy party in your presence, singing, listening to heartfelt testimonies, considering what your word says about true freedom, considering our own nation even, that others observed that it was great because it was good and that Christianity has exerted its influence upon the landscape and the populace of this nation. But Father, I pray that more than just having some kind of an imprint or an influence, I pray that the people within the hearing of this message would step into tonight in reality, in real time, step out of darkness into light that they'd make a decision, a decision to leave the old, to repent of their sins, and to step into the light. And I pray they'd do it publicly. And I pray, Lord, that you'd fill them with the same kind of peace, the same kind of hope, the same kind of change that we have heard in these testimonies tonight that were so powerful. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this final song, it's actually not the final song, but it's the final song before I'm done. As we sing this song, no matter where you are standing or sitting in this great circle tonight, if you're standing or sitting right in front of me or way in the back in the steps, or maybe you're hiding in some corner thinking, great, I'll come, this is fun, but nobody knows that I'm here. 
And now you've discovered God knows. And God, the Holy Spirit, is drawing you to himself. He doesn't want to let you go. He loves you too much to let you go. You know that God loves you the way you are tonight? Just the way you are, God loves you. No matter how you came tonight, no matter how broken you may feel tonight, you're welcome here. No matter what kind of bondage you've lived through or are presently in, God loves you the way you are. But God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. And only God can do something about it. But you have to cooperate with Him. He's drawing some of you tonight. As we sing this song, I'm going to ask you to get up from where you're standing or sitting or ever are, are at in this great park and come and stand right up here and allow me to lead you in a prayer now, tonight, to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord. Not your parents' Lord, not your husband's Lord, not your wife's, yours. Make it your salvation. Come to Christ tonight. As we sing this song, we're going to give you the opportunity. Come and stand right up here, and I'll lead you in a prayer. Right up in the front. Giving you my heart, Laying down my rights, promising a life. Giving you my dreams, laying down my rights. I'm giving up my pride for the promise of a new life. And I surrender all to you. going to take time for this. There's a lot of folks that are out this way toward the bookstore. And you might be in the middle of a row. And all you have to do is say, excuse me. And people will know what to do. In fact, you might even inspire somebody to come up with you and stand with you and make the same choice. Young, old, male, female, doesn't matter. There's no barriers here. Everybody is the same size at the foot of the cross. Everybody's on level ground. Everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody needs forgiveness. Come and get yours.
There's a couple people that are still coming. I just have a I have a a word of encouragement to those of us who are on the older side of life. I want to ask you a question, especially if you're getting up in years and you're here, you happen to be here. Are you certain that when you die, you're going to go to heaven? Do you know that for certain? Is there something in your heart that is missing in your life that is missing? You've been religious. You've been a, an upstanding citizen. That's not the issue. Something's missing. It's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. If the Lord is speaking to you tonight. And so here's, here's the problem, however. The older we get, the more set in our ways we become. In fact, sometimes the harder of heart we become. If there's even an ounce of sensitivity in your heart and you don't know Jesus Christ tonight, you get up and come at this time in your life. And you're going to find yourself in your heart, you're going to be like a brand new baby inside. A whole new outlook on life, a whole new lease on life, a whole new sense of freedom. Again, young or old, you come. Anybody else in these closing moments? Anybody else? Make that decision. Make it now. You've said the word, I'll wait. You've said that way too long now. Forget the I'll wait. Don't wait. Don't wait another second. Come on, come on down. Come and receive your forgiveness. I've just been told that the green belt, the green park we have, this five-acre green belt, is packed full of people. We're glad for that. But if you're over in the green belt, we don't want you to feel left out. I can't see you, but I know you're there. And we want you to be a part of this. And if you're in the green belt, if you've come tonight, somebody's going to be over there and they're going to take you over. And if there's no, nobody to take you, find the quickest route possible and come this direction. We'll wait for a few moments, but you come and join the others. There's a whole bunch of people that are about to pray to receive Christ. Come and join them.
I'm not going to drag this on too much longer, but I feel like the Lord has put something else on my heart. I just want to say a word to the men who are here. Okay, I'm not going to like go through every gender tonight or every possible age group, but to men especially. Because you know what? There's something about men that are we're just too cool to do something like this. Well, I'll let the women do that, but I, w- I would never do that. I want to tell you, if you're a real man, you'll make a stand. You don't care what anybody thinks except what God thinks. That's a man. i got to tell you a quick story that I've told in the past, and I, I tell it now very rarely because it's a very painful memory. I shared with my older brother, who is a hardened motorcycle hell's angel, and I told him about Jesus, and he said, the last words he said to me that I remember while he was alive is, I'll think about it. I'll wait. I don't want to do it right now. He put it off. I remember he said, not now. Two weeks later, I got the news that he died in a motorcycle accident. You don't know how much time you have left on this earth. Now is the time, the Bible says. Today's the day of salvation. Don't you put this decision off any longer. Don't you wait just because you think you're cool. Because you know what? It's not cool to go to hell. Last time I checked, that's not cool. It's really cool to go to heaven forever and to be forgiven forever and to have a brand new life forever. We'll wait just another moment, then I'm going to pray. Surrender, surrender, surrender. Oh, Give it all to you, Lord. I surrender, I surrender, I surrender, oh, to you. And I, oh, I surrender, oh, to you, oh, to you. Give it all to And that's exactly what you all are about to do right now. Surrender. A lot of you came, and we're so glad you did. And so this is where you surrender. This is where you tell the Lord, take my life. This is where you give it away to Him, right here, right now. This is how it's going to work. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I'm going to ask you to say that prayer out loud after me from your heart to the Lord. Okay, I'm going to say it in little bits and pieces, and you think about it, and you say it from your heart to the Lord. And if you're watching tonight by the Internet or by television, you can do the same thing as well. So you ready? Ready? Let's do business with God. You pray after me. Lord, I give you my life. I surrender to you. I know that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose from the grave and that he did it for me. I turn from my sin. I leave my past behind and I turn my life over to you to follow you 
to obey you as your disciple. Give me the power to do that. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, come on. you got to be more excited than that. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Okay, so. This is cool. What you just did, that was cool. That was really great. Now, we want the opportunity to tell you what's next and to tell you how to walk and follow the Lord. So we have counselors. Now, just a, just a heads up for you and everybody here. This isn't our normal Saturday night service. We normally have Saturday night service in the church. This is a special celebration. Tomorrow is an entirely different service, entirely different message. We're doing a series in the Gospel of John, and we're going to do that in the morning. So everybody who came tonight is invited back to one of our services tomorrow, including you who have come forward. You're starting off tonight, and we want to start you off on the right way and explain what it is to follow Christ. So Pastor Neil who's raising his Bible and moving it around, would you follow Neil and our counseling team this way? Everybody who's come up will help you, but come right over this direction so that we can talk to you for a few minutes. Lord bless you. Hey, let's fill this place with worship. He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree. Bending beneath the weight of his love and mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions Cliffs by glory I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me
by the grace in his eyes. Grace is an ocean we're all sinking. So heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss. My heart burns violently inside my chest. I don't have the time to maintain these regrets when I think about the way that He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Yeah, He loves us and we love one another, don't we? In fact, it's good to say that every now and then. So I'm going to say it. I love you guys. I love this church. It's so fun to be a part of this. And say that to one another. We have about 20 minutes before the fireworks start. They're starting around 9 because it has to be a little bit darker. There's food if you want food. There's restrooms. There's fellowship. So um, let's just kind of hang out, fellowship together. Nine o'clock, the fireworks will start. By the way, these fireworks are like city quality professional fireworks. If you've never seen them before, you're in for a real treat. They're one of the best shows ever. So that'll start in about 20 minutes. Until then, have the freedom to walk around and love on one another.